Welcome to the Young and the Wise podcast, where youth meets wisdom. I'm your host, Simone Bastoyev, and this podcast is for teens by teens. Each episode, we interview successful and accomplished adults from all walks of life, from business leaders to artists to athletes, to uncover their secrets to success. Join us as we learn from their experiences and gain valuable insights to help us navigate our own paths to success. Let's just get into it. Do you mind if you could just like introduce yourself and give just a background on your life and your career and who you are? Yeah, sure. So, you know, my name is Lori Rodriguez and I'm currently the chief digital advisor for a global organization called Women in Tech. It's headquartered in Paris. We have 45 chapters around the world, including the U.S., where I'm also the U.S. chapter president. Um, We've just started opening up local chapters in the U.S. And so we have that was just in November. So we already have chapters in San Francisco, New York City, Chicago, Miami, the Philadelphia, Wilmington area, um, Columbus, Ohio. We're opening them in Houston. And then we have identified 25 tech hubs in the U.S., across the U.S., even in the Midwest. A lot of things are happening there as well. Um, so that uh, hopefully most of the population is within an hour or two of a women in tech chapter where they can uh, network, um, create relationships with people and organizations, because that's really when you start to rise in your career, the best jobs are never advertised. You're tapped for them. And so women tend to rush home. They have so much to do uh, at home. They have, you know, they don't spend as enough time on self-care and leisure time as the men. They're not out there playing golf and um, going to the bars. And so the way to be tapped is to be visible. And when you're not visible um, for lots of different reasons, one of them is under your control, which is networking. So giving those opportunities to women um, to network so that they could get their problems answered and just be in the company of other women, which is very energizing, um, listening to the same struggles and working through some problems that other women have experienced, but then also building these relationships that are critical to getting your next job and your next job and your next job, especially when you rise up in the organization. Wow. Um, Also wrote a book. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, wow. I was just going to say. So that's my book behind me too, uh, published two weeks ago. And it's the biographies of 12 women in STEM that I've met um, some over my career, but also on purpose, intentionally looking for women outside my network who had stories to share that weren't being told. So it's it's out there now and I'm super excited about it. Congratulations. That is such a huge achievement. Um, and I just want to say, like, I have so much to learn from you because everything you're saying is actually really resonating. So I'm in grade 10. I go to school in Toronto. And something that I started this year at my school was I started a business club called the Abbey Business Club. And the goal is basically doing what you're doing right now with women in tech, um, but just the same thing on a smaller scale for young women in the business field. Because again, I've done my research and I see that there's a problem where women just, there's less opportunities for them. There's like less, they're in less leadership positions. 
and they don't have access to the same networks. Um, so even if a woman has a great idea or a great leadership or great skills, she might not be given the opportunity to get into a leadership position or something because it's very raw, raw sometimes. And, you know, you've got to get those like person to person connections that often men have the connections and they don't really give positions to women. So part of what I'm trying to do is start those communities um, and those networking opportunities in my community and getting girls like at, at a young age to start kind of reaching out to each other and building those relationships early on. So seeing what you're doing with women in tech and how much of like how big, like how much of a scale you've gotten it to is really, really inspiring. Yay. I'm so glad you're doing that. Um, it is important and the building those habits early and building those connections early are critical. Um, you know, I have five kids. My oldest is 33 and my youngest is 17. My oldest is a boy and then, and then there's girls, but, um, the connections he made in, in high school and college, he's really cultivated those relationships his entire life. Far too many weddings he has to attend, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it enriches your life those connections that you have, but it also um, helps you, you know, move ahead in the business, um, in, in your work, in your career. That said, um, it's one of the things that holds um, not only women out to your point that, you know, the men are good at that, making those connections, and then that's how they get the help each other get jobs. But when you're creating these communities, you have to be very intentional to make sure that you're reaching out to people outside your own personal network, that these communities are very accessible to, to people who don't have access to communities that help each other, lift each other up and, and get jobs. So you have to be very intentional about that, or you just perpetuate the status quo. And yeah. so we're never going to break through if the only communities we're building are very tight knit, we have to be very open and intentional about being inclusive. So that would be, I'm sure you're already doing that, but I just always want to make sure that people understand um, the importance of including people that you wouldn't go to lunch with necessarily, maybe not even people that you like, um, but you need to. So it's not always about people like me or people that I like. It's about providing access to to everyone so that we all can help each other. I really appreciate that you said that because, you know, it's often not said so overtly. So that's like, it's a really great piece of information that you shared there. So um, another question for you, just what did you like study in university or as like a major or whatever your education basically? Great question. So I have a very non-linear career path. Um, I, when I was growing up, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. And I thought, oh, I, you know what? I want to be a doctor. I want to fix broken bones in a ski town. <laughs> and then as I started to get into high school, I was like, I really can't see myself cutting anyone open. So maybe that's not, it's silly because um, I know a fair amount of people have that fear all I needed was somebody to tell me, like, don't worry about that. You'll figure that part out. And I probably would have gone into the, the medical field. Um, but instead, my guidance counselor at the time, and she retired, thankfully, after me, <laughs> um, 
was looking for, and, and I was one of her favorite students. So she was looking to get me into college for an MRS degree, meaning a Mrs. degree. So she looked at universities where there was a high ratio of men to women. And those men went on to graduate degrees and became lawyers and doctors. So the whole purpose in her mind for me going to college was to go get married. So that's, that's, uh, that's the age that I grew up in. Um, so I went off to college. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was really into theater at the time. So I went to um, be a theater major, but I had no intention of doing anything with theater, which is something I liked. So I came home at Christmas time with all my stuff and dropped out of school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I left school. I thought I could always go back anytime, but I was, didn't know what I wanted to be. I was spending uh, my own money, which you know, I laugh now because it wasn't anything like it is now coming out of debt. And I am um, about 20 acres in Vermont with my then boyfriend, now husband to sort of live off grid. But wow. <laughs> that's incredible. So, yeah. So from an education standpoint, I've always, I've always, what's interesting is I know a lot of people, they get their degree, whatever that is, and they're done, you know, or they get their MBA and they're done. And they, they haven't been open. They closed themselves off to learning. I've taken years and years worth of um, college credits and, and every other learning I possibly could. I've just always been a continuous learner my entire life. And that didn't stop when I dropped out of college. Um, but it's, it's been difficult. Like I made all my kids go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily because it has value, <laughs> but because it was very difficult. There's a paper ceiling as well. So it's very yeah. difficult to rise in an organization or even get through HR when you're not, when, you know, you've got filters and algorithms that take a look at your education and just bump you out completely. So um, I understand that um, struggle. I think that it's very short-sighted for organizations to, um, to look at people who don't have a degree and just write them off. Um, again, you write off a lot of people who didn't have access. They didn't grow up in a family that had people who went to college or they couldn't afford it. Or even if they had parents that went just financially, it didn't work out. Or maybe they started off their, um, their high school, you know, they weren't the studious or whatever. And so to tag somebody for the rest of their life for whatever their circumstances were when they were 15 years old or 16 years old is so short-sighted. And what's interesting is um, continuing on this topic, a lot of people who have struggles early in their life and, and figure out how to get through that on the other end, they're resilient. They've built resilience in them and businesses need to be resilient. If we think of the pandemic, if we think of this financial crisis and the last financial crisis. So these are great people that you want in your organization. So should you go to school? I, I think, yes, you still should, or at least go through, if you're in the technical fields, um, go through and take the certification courses through like a Google or a Microsoft or whatever. They're loosening up the, the grip on that. If you can get a college degree, that's great. If you can't, don't give up, just continue forward and, and make that part of your brand, like own it, own the fact that you're, you didn't go and you're still going to make it in this world. Okay. That's, that's great advice. I really like that you said, like, 
if you don't just own it and make it part of your brand. Like it all contributes at the end of the day to something. So just own it, be proud of it. It's gonna take you somewhere in the right direction. So now I'd like to ask you um, about your experience as a woman in tech and business and what advice you would give to young women following a similar path. So you kind of touched on it before where it's like resilience, even if you don't go in the direction you thought you would, you're, you're still gonna find a way, but any other tips you would give to young women thinking of pursuing a career in business or tech? Yeah, the first thing is, I love technology. I have since um, the day I first put my hands on a computer back in 1989. Um, actually, it was even earlier than that. But um, the opportunities for technology are so expansive now. So you, if you're into sports, for example, you can do sports tech. And I know a lot of guidance counselors um, or even parents encourage um, athletes to go into sports marketing or um coaching or um, being an agent, um, consider sports technology, whether that's designing new shoes or clothing, or whether that's, um, you know, creating new experiences in this in the metaverse for um, showcasing games. I was just watching a, a Rangers hockey game the other day, and they did real time animation with Big City Greens um, cartoon, um, Disney cartoon. So there's a lot of opportunity to take sports and technology. Fashion is the next uh, big wave. So, you know, we all have phones now. It's ubiquitous. A lot of people have the watches. Yeah. Your clothing will become um, very uh, tech digitized, if you will, and all sorts of things, temperature control, um, healthcare, et cetera, through textiles, huge fashion tech. Or you can take fashion tech and bring that into the metaverse, you know, ready player me, or when you enter um, Roblox or whatever, building clothing and outfits. So whatever you're into, consider a technology component of that. So take your passions and marry it with technology and invent your career. There's so many of the jobs that are going to happen in the next three to five years have never even been heard of or invented. So just head in a direction and just be open to the changes that are coming your way. So that's the first thing you can, and a lot of women are problem solvers. So you can, you know, whether that's, you want to save the environment or you're into diversity and inclusion or what, whatever the thing is that you want to, from a social justice perspective or environmental or whatever that is, again, you marry that with technology and, and move on. So it's very exciting, very fulfilling. Yeah. It's very hard as a woman in technology. It's getting a lot easier. And the more women that are in there and the networking helps you stay, that's that's critical. You need to do what you're doing. Join these communities, um, build these communities, create them, build a sense of belonging, help each other. Mm -hmm. You know, um, don't be don't be the mean girls or the queen bee or any of the other kind of words and phrases that they put out there where you have to feel like protecting yourself because there's only a few of us and I'm going to get it. Damn it. Yeah. We want healthy competition, just like a sports team, right? You, you play on a team and then the next week you're playing um, on the same team with somebody you were competing against the week before. And, and it becomes, you know, on the field, you play hard off the field. You, you, you play hard as friends and you collaborate and you, you leave it on the field. The other thing is, and this is really important and it seems so counterintuitive, you 
not, I don't know, necessarily counterintuitive, but it seems like it's a taboo top topic we shouldn't be talking about. The partner you choose in life or whether you choose to be single, which now is a big an option for women that wasn't really an option before. But if you choose to partner with somebody, they have to take an active role in supporting your career. Not just, you know, oh, I love that you're doing that, but an active role in supporting your career. And not only that, it's not just your career. They have to take an active role in household management because 70 years ago, back in the 50s, in, in the US and, and similarly into Canada, the typical household, 90% of the typical households was a heterosexual couple, mm -hmm. right? And there were two jobs to be done in that in that couple. One was unpaid work at home and one was paid work in the paid labor force. Yeah. The woman usually stayed home and the man didn't. That was typical 70 years ago. All of our institutions are built that way. When you have two people entering the workforce, you now have three jobs, two people in the paid workforce, one job still at home and that falls on the women. So the women are doing two jobs. Yeah. So your partner and you have to figure out how to, between two people, divide three jobs worth of work. Mm -hmm. And if your partner isn't fully on board with that, then you will have a very difficult life ahead of you. And you most likely will drop out of the workforce about 10 years in. That's, yeah, that's definitely advice that we need to hear, you know? So what does it look like for your partner to take an active role in your career development? So one, let's say you you are in college and you've met your, your significant other and you're talking about life together mm -hmm. and your job is gonna take you to um, London and his job's gonna take him to Alberta, right? What, whatever. What is the, what are those conversations look like? Is it the expectation that you're just going to not take the job or is he going to, are you considering how you manage both of your careers equally? Mm -hmm. Right. That's one thing. Um, in the book, you'll see like um, three-time astronaut um, Janet Kamande. At one point they were living in two completely different States. Same yeah. thing with um, Ronike. She and her her two states, two provinces in Canada. And for Janet, it was in her husband. It was two states in, in the United States. They're married with children, Janet and her husband, and they're commuting to different parts of the country. And for Ronike, they want children, but they're in, they have two different houses. He has a house. She has a house. They're making it work. Um, as they moved up in their career, Interestingly enough, 60% of the women in the book became primary breadwinners and their husbands either became stay-at-home husbands or they had um, jobs where they were working, but the primary job, the primary career was the woman. Is that something that the partner isn't interested in? You know, one, one way you can kind of figure out and sense before you get to that point is when you're um, dating, is it the expectation that you will always show up for the dates? Like say you're working or you've got schoolwork and you have to cancel. Is he or she pissed at you mm -hmm. not prioritizing or do they understand, you know, and if you're always just blowing them off, clearly that's not a good healthy relationship either. But if yeah. it's an occasional, I have this thing I have to get done. Are they supportive of you? No, no worries, Simone. You, you go do that. 
I'm here. You know, can I help you with anything? Don't worry about it. We'll reschedule. Can I get you dinner? Right. Are they doing that or are they pissed off because you've blown them off and it's all about them? Just some red flags right from the beginning. Or how about them? You're showing up and they're not showing up. They're constantly, constantly ca calling it off because their stuff is too important. Right. right. Are you having that? Look at that. Those are some flags. Occasionally we all have to adapt and, and, and compromise. Mm -hmm. But if one person's career and the things that they're doing are constantly prioritized over the other, it's a, it's a good indicator that that's going to be your relationship dynamic going forward. And you don't need to accept that. Okay. That's great advice. And I actually, I read a book um, called Branding Queens that might be of interest to you because it oh, kind yeah. of what you are doing with your book. So it's about 20 women who have built brand dynasties from scratch. So some like anyone from Coco Chanel to Tori Birch to like even Queen Elizabeth, who she has like a personal brand, you know, and it talked about their experiences like building the, the personal brand or building the corporate brand and what that looks like. And interestingly enough, the vast majority of these women are divorced. <laughs> and also um, a lot of them didn't actually start their companies until after they had started families or after they were already divorced. So you're completely right that a lot of the time, I think spouses or partners do have a really big impact on whether or not um, a woman or even like a man can succeed in their career and in establishing themselves. So that's really great uh, input you put there. So yeah. thank you for that. It, it's hard. It's hard for men. Like women are fighting for their their rights. They're fighting to to be in the workforce. For men, they're scratching their heads. Like what what's happening, right? And so I don't. It's not about men bashing necessarily, but if you think about they grew up, their moms, you know, at least my generation, their moms didn't work. They were at home. Mm -hmm. And so they're, and they doted on the boys in particular. So the boys didn't do the dishes or do the chores in the household. So it wasn't part of their DNA. And so then they, 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 on their, when they're on their own, a lot of times, and this is generalization, their mm -hmm. places are messy. And then the, the expectation is when they're partnered up with somebody, that the other person's going to take that mommy role and take care of them again. So it's a conversation with your partner. So a lot of the women you talk about where the, they're divorced and there was this mismatch between what their needs were and the expectations of their partner based on the cultural norms at the time. Yeah. And then it just comes to a head at some point. And, and, but the women in the book talk through and women I've working with, like, you don't have you you're young you don't have to deal with that the the guys you're you know the people that you're going to date um a lot of them have grown up with moms who worked mm -hmm. right so it's a different dynamic a different world so i'm very hopeful that some of these issues that those older folks had to go through yeah um hopefully we've broken enough of those barriers and our sons love us saw what it took for us to do what we did and many of them are not willing to be the kind of um or they are willing to be the kind of supportive husbands or partners in the household um and career component so it really is about communication and i know you know i'm hearing that that you know gen z's and, and millennials 
conflict is not what you're all after. It's kind of like you'd rather flight than fight, <laughs> right? So <laughs> you need to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations with people, whether that's your friends, your colleagues, in, in particular, the people you choose to partner up with, um, because that's critical to carving out a life of equity. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, thanks for the book. I wrote it down. I'm going to, I'm going to go pick that up, but in yeah. the meantime, I'm super hopeful for, I'm super hopeful for this next generation. I think you guys fucking rock and <laughs> I can't wait for, I can't wait for what you'll, you'll, where you'll take us in this world. Um, stay the course, but, um, collaborate with each other, talk to each other, mm -hmm. you know, build these communities that you're building and be okay with uncomfortable conversations. That's the only way that you grow is when you're uncomfortable and you figure out how to get back to a sense of stability. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you, Lori. Thank you for your time. And I hope to stay in touch in uh, the coming months and everything. And I think I'll, you'll hear from me when I finish reading your book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, keep doing what you're doing. Sounds Thank great. You. Have a great day. Bye. You Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Young and the Wise podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help you on your journey. Be sure to tune in next time for more life lessons from inspiring adults. Until then, keep growing, keep learning, and keep chasing your dreams. And always remember, the future is now, and it's wise.